0: But you know, both of the main characters when they meet this biographer, they ask him, you know, what do you do? And he says, I write and they both say, what, like letters and such? And so we've we've been talking about redemption and restoration, that God is working that in us. We've been using the book of Ezra and Nehemiah to to make some parallels and so the title of my sermon today is Letters and Such because that's the way this uh, starts out. Nehemiah went to the, the king of Persia and he got letters to go and rebuild Jerusalem. <clears throat> if you look in, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, that's where we're going to be as far as, uh, as far as the text, verses 9 through 20. And I want to talk to you about, uh, in the kingdom, we need to be operating in God's authority. If we want to be successful in doing kingdom business, and we ought to be about kingdom business, amen? If we want to be successful, we need to be operating in God's authority, not in our own, and not in some kind of confusion. We need to have clarity and know what we're doing and why we're able to do it. And then we ought to be operating in restoration because that's, that's God's heart. And those are the two points I'm gonna make today. And we got a bunch of scriptures, a bunch of things to go along with, but those two points, we're gonna operate in God's authority. And we're gonna operate in his restoration.
1: <coughs>
0: so let's uh, look at uh, Nehemiah. I think this is—it's uh, pretty cool the way that uh, that God speaks to us through His Word, and there are so many wonderful parallels and uh, and examples of what God is saying to us in His Word that even though this is thousands of years ago, we can make a really clear connection to help understand something that we're going through. So beginning in verse 9 Nehemiah says, Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate, and I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire, then I went on to the fountain gate, to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley, and I viewed the wall. And I turned back, and I entered the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Now that's a lot of... A lot of stuff, and I just wanted to read the whole thing to you so that you would get the sense of what's happening here. So the king's letter, verse nine, it says he went to the governors in the region beyond the river and he gave them the king's letter. Now, just notice he didn't he didn't show up and say, "I'm Nehemiah, God's man of power for the hour." He came right in and he gave them the king's letters. So everything that we do in the kingdom, we have to present the king's letters. You understand that? The word of God is the letter that he has given us that tells us who he is, the area of his domain, his authority, and it tells us who we are. As citizens of his kingdom, we need to be focused on the king's letters because that's where all of our ability to achieve anything in the kingdom business is gonna, it's gonna be a result of what we understand about the king's letters, the word of God, and how we apply that. The king gives us authority. And that word in the the New Testament is exousia. And it also can be translated as jurisdiction. Well, think about that. There are scriptures that tell us plainly, and we're going to read them here, but we have authority or jurisdiction to do things within the kingdom of God because we are ambassadors of the kingdom. You might not feel like an ambassador. You may feel like a flunky. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't really feel like you are anything special. Sometimes you may not feel like you you got what it takes, but in But in God's economy, in His kingdom, there's not like big shots and poor boys. I mean, we're all God's children. We are all God's sons and daughters. We're children of the king, and as children of the king, we have an inheritance and legal rights to things that are part of the kingdom. Jesus, speaking in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, says, All authority that's exousia, has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Luke 9, verse 1, He called the twelve disciples together, and He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them dunamis, power, and exousia, authority. He gave them the jurisdiction and the authority to operate as his representatives, and he gave them the dynamite power, the miraculous power, to go out and actually do it. So we have the jurisdiction, the authority, and we have the power and the ability to do it. He didn't say, just go figure it out. He said, here, I'm giving you some letters Wherever you go, just present these letters as the authority and you've got the power because all the power of the kingdom is backing you up. Hallelujah. We're going as his representatives. We're not going as paupers. We're not going as beggars. We're not going as grovelers. We're going as children of the king, ambassadors. We have power and authority in Christ. That's how we need to operate in the kingdom. So He gives us power that dunamis power, that word can be translated as miraculous power, it can be translated as power to work miracles, it can be translated as the resurrection power, because that's what, that's what it says, you know, hallelujah, <laughs> that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, know Him and the resurrection power that He's given to us, the dunamis power that makes us become alive. That's in us. Luke 10, verses 18 through 20. He talked to his disciples after they'd been out doing ministry, and they, they came back and they were all excited. And he said, Hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Amen. Behold, I give you authority. exousia, I give you the jurisdiction and the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the dunamis, power of the enemy. Over all he's got. He's got nothing compared to the power I've got. He has some power, but I got all power. He has some things, but I got all things. He does some things, but I created all things. Hallelujah. We're talking about two different things. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. They are not the same. They're not equal. They're not, they're not equal. The kingdom of light overwhelms the kingdom of darkness. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and all, Samaria and all the end of the earth. You shall receive dunamis power. That is the power to work miracles. That is the miraculous power. It works in us. It works through us. It works for us. It's working all the time. You may not see it, but it's there. That's the way the power of God works through his spirit that indwells us. It's working for us in us and through us all the time. If we operate in the jurisdiction and the authority of the kingdom, we have the power of the kingdom backing the things that we're doing. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but do to us power, amen, the love of a sound mind. He's come to take away our fear. He's come to take away our timidity. He's come to take away all of the things about our personalities that are messed up and need to be healed and changed, and he's come to fill us with that dunamis power. Another way you can translate that word dunamis is excellence of soul. How about that? Maybe he wants to come and make us excellent of soul so that we're not fearful anymore, that we're not walking in doubt, we're not walking in confusion, we're not walking in all of our old nature anymore, but we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit and the abundant life because he's making our soul Healed and whole and excellent. We're beginning to think the thoughts of Christ instead of our old thoughts. We're beginning to think the word of God. We're renewing our mind because that's what he's doing in us. If we are believers and we're pursuing him, that's what he's doing in us. Amen. Now, you'll notice anytime you go through some victory in the kingdom, the enemy resists. You always get some resistance. You, you win some victories, and then you start getting a little pushback. Don't panic. That's, that's normal. That happens. Don't panic. Just, just keep moving forward. Keep pressing in to who you are. Yes. You might have to pull those letters out again. Hallelujah. Pull the letters out and remind them. In this story, it says in Nehemiah 2.10, when Sanballat the Horonaut and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard That Nehemiah was coming to rebuild, it says they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. In other words, they were their enemies. They wanted Israel to be a flop. They wanted them to stay beat down. They wanted them to stay humiliated. They wanted them to stay with their walls broken down, their walls burned, and their gates burned with fire. You're going to get some pushback. You win a victory, you're going to get a little pushback. Don't freak out. Take heart. Pull out the letters from the king. Start looking at it. Let those Let the word of God begin to change your heart and mind so that, that you begin to understand. Hey, I've got some, I got some challenges, but that's okay. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. So, as an example, in the word of God, Acts 16, Paul, who, you know, he's like the greatest missionary, apostle, preacher, you know, guy of all time, everybody acknowledges that Paul had it going on. Chapter 16 of the book of Acts, he gets this vision about going into Macedonia. <clears throat> he goes over there, and man, God blesses them. And they, they, you know, they establish all these uh, churches. They have a church in uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, the Berean church. I mean, things were going on. It was good. It was all good, you know, and he, man, they were rejoicing. And then, later, Paul writes a letter back to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.18. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. Whoa, but Satan hindered us. So you got this great apostle. He's done this great work, all this building of churches, establishing of churches, and he said, I want to come back to you, but Satan hindered us. That word hindered, in the, in the original language, it means he cut across the road so that it would be difficult to pass. The enemy was making it difficult on the road, on the path. The way that God was uh, leading Paul, and what he felt in his heart to do, the enemy was working against him. The enemy was trying to create problems, distract him from the call. And Paul didn't, He didn't say, we're doomed. He didn't say, it's over, I'm giving up. He just said, I had a struggle. I got hindered a little bit, but I'm pressing on because I know who I'm believed in and I'm persuaded that he's able to to complete that good work in me that he started and I'm not gonna give up, I'm not gonna lay it aside, I'm gonna keep on. So, victories and then resistance. But if we're operating in the kingdom the way that we ought to be, operating in the authority of the king, operating in restoration, which is what the king's heart is all about, you know, God, God is all about redemption. Right from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, he immediately began talking about redemption. Uh, and when you get to the very end, all the way through the book of Revelation, it's all about redemption. It's all about, about what he is doing in us. And then, you know, the whole Word of God is about who God is, how we relate to him as people, and that he wants to restore what we lost in the beginning. And it all happens through Jesus, what he did on the cross. That's how all the restoration happens. The first thing Nehemiah did when he got back there to see about restoring Jerusalem is he surveyed the damage. Says he rode at night through the ruins and the rubble to see with his own eyes what had happened. I mean, he'd heard about it. That's how he, that's how this whole thing came about. His a brother came to him when he was the cupbearer to the king and said, "Man, you know, it's bad in Jerusalem. The walls are down. The gates are burning fire. The people are in distress. It's it's not good." And Nehemiah wanted to see it with his own eyes, though he got out there and he he surveyed it all. He didn't tell anybody what was in his heart. He just went out there and started looking at it. I want to encourage you, when God puts something in your heart, get get a survey of all that's going to be required to accomplish what he's put in your heart. You may not understand it all, but go and put your eyes on it. If God's called you to do some children's ministry, go see where the children are. Go see what the children do. If God's called you to, to a certain thing, then go go get your eyes on it and see what it really looks like in real life. Don't just take someone's word for it. Wow, what a what a life changing thing for me when uh, I decided that I was going to take on working with kids. You know, I I, I had kids, I raised kids, I've been coaching and doing things with kids my whole life, but. I, I was just having fun doing it, but boy, when it came to, to minister to the kids now, it's like, well, I was like, oh, I've got to figure out how to teach those kids. I've got to teach them. Boy, they're going to grow. You know? And I went there and started trying to teach them, and they just resented it and didn't like it, and I was miserable. They were miserable, and I hated it. I didn't want to go. I felt intimidated and overwhelmed. And uh, my wife said, well, why don't you just tell stories? I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. And when I began to do that, but see, I'd already been up. I already surveyed all the whole thing. I'd seen it. And I knew what I was up against. But then, when God gave me a little insight, and I began to do what the authority of the king and the restoration work that the king had sent me to do, I began to operate in that. Everything changed. And I started telling stories, and I was having fun. The kids were having fun, and they started getting saved right and left, and all kinds of great things were happening. And and I'm changed. And it's because I just I just saw with my own eyes what God had put in my heart. And I began to take, take a survey of it all. And I said, Lord, help me. Help me figure out how to do this. I don't know how to do this. But I know you've called me to it. God has called us to do things. And he will equip us. But we may have to ask. And we may have to humble ourselves. We may have to... Come back multiple times and ask for wisdom. We may have to ask, Lord, give me, give me direction and guidance so I'll know. I see the need, and I know you want to bring healing and restoration, but how, how do I do it? What do I do? And when we present ourselves in that way, God can use that because God's all about restoration. And he's given us those letters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got, we got his authority and his power to operate in the kingdom. The walls are down. Ephesians 6.10. By the way, the walls are down in each one of us to some extent because we're, we're not perfect. You understand, we're not perfect. We are still in a building process. God is restoring, redeeming, healing, and changing us all the time. We are in a building process all the time. It's not like a, a, uh, a project like we build at, at work. You know I mean, we build it, and when it's done, they move in, and we move on to the next project. That's, you know, that's never the case. I mean, God is constantly rebuilding, adding on, remodeling, renovating, changing. He said, wow, this looks really good, but I think it'd look even better if I change this. You know, I'm going to come in and paint that wall a different color. I'm going to come in, I'm going to put a pretty picture over here. I'm going to come in and put some new carpet down. going to do, you know, God is always doing renovation work in us. And the body of Christ, just like us personally and individually, we got some walls that are broken down and messed up. I mean, you look around the body of Christ and we're, we are not really doing that great in a lot of ways. Nehemiah would probably come in here and say, wow, we're in distress, man. We're messed up. Our walls are broken down and the gates are all burned with fire. The enemy's just having his way with us. And it happens because too many of us as individuals are living in that condition. And that's who makes up the church. We need pastors and teachers and leaders who will, who will model and show what this is supposed to look like. Instead of, you know, instead of just talking about it, we need to see how you live it. Get your eyes on it and see it in real life. It's not the same as, as just talking about theory. You know, Theory is, is okay, but real life, it's totally different. Real life, when you've lived it and walked it, you can tell someone else, how to live it and walk it. Sometimes the real life stuff is painful. And the only way you can live and walk it, so you can show other people how to live and walk it, is to walk through those painful times. Nehemiah, when he heard what was going on in Jerusalem, he wept and he fasted and he prayed for days. And then he, he risked his literal life by going to the king with a sad face so that he could make his his plea to the king. It can be really painful going through these experiences, but they'll change us because God is all about restoration, and he is wanting to build and restore us so that we can do even more and be more effective in the kingdom. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That word comes from a root that is similar to dunamis. Be strong in the Lord and in the power, that means strength, of his might or ability. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this, end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." 2 Thessalonians 3.3, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. We need to have some walls up in our lives, not walls that hold people out, but that hold the enemy out. We don't want to just be open to anybody to just come tromping right into our, our dwelling, who we are. And if we don't have some walls, some protection, we just make ourselves available. I mean, the enemy can just walk right in there and just began to have his way. That's what was happening in Jerusalem. That's what happened. That's why Nehemiah wanted to build the wall. They didn't have any security. There was no way to keep the enemy out. And all these surrounding nations that were against them and did not want to see them prosper and do well, they could just come right in. They could, they could do things. And I would say to you that the enemy does that to us the same way. He does that to the body of Christ. He does it to local churches. He comes in. Sometimes it's it's by getting you to kind of compromise the truth a little bit. You, you, you hadn't got the letters from the king out recently, and you start compromising on the truth, and then you start thinking the wrong things, and then the enemy can just kind of direct you and have his way with you. You're not operating in the authority and the power in the kingdom like you should. The church is compromising on so many truths and so many things. In the effort to be seeker-sensitive and uh, appealing to more and more people. You know, we've we strayed from some of the very basics of Christianity. And, you know, God forgive us. We, we need to repent. As, a, as his people, we need to repent and stand for truth. We need to stand for truth. And I don't mean, you know, we need to go out and, and fight with people. I don't want to talk about controversial things but we're gonna preach and teach the Word of God. We're gonna believe what God says. The, the, the world, the media, and politicians, and all kinds of activists will tell you stuff, but we need to be focused on the truth of God's Word. And we always need to go back to the truth of God's Word because if you deviate from the truth, you have no baseline. You're just, you're just out there. If Nehemiah had gone back to Jerusalem and said, hey guys, let's, uh, I got an idea, how about we build something? They'd probably all just looked at him and said, who are you, dude? And all the, all the enemies would have looked at him and said, you, you don't have the authority to do this. But Nehemiah came in and he said, I got some letters here from the king. Gives me the authority. I have jurisdiction and I have backing. I have power from the king. He's given me letters here that say I can do the work. And oh, and by the way, he said he's going to pay for it. And he said, he's got, there's a letter right here that says that the, the guy who cuts all the trees in the king's forest over there, they're going to give me all the timber I want, they're going to give me all the stones that I need, they're going to give me all the materials that I need, and they're not even going to tax us. He's going to pay for it all. I mean, he had, he had letters from the king. But if we have walls in our life that protect us, and it's the word of God, folks. We've got letters from the king. It's the word of God that gives us the ability to keep the enemy out so he didn't come in and infiltrate our mind and feed us a bunch of lies and get us all confused. We need to have a clear understanding of what God's word says. The gates are burned with fire. So that's, gates always speak about authority. They also speak about limiting activities of in and out you know I mean just think about that if you if you have your home surrounded with a fence but you don't have the whole fence built you got a gap people can still just come right in and out anybody wants to you put a gate on that fence now you can control who comes in and out and we have laws huh think about that we have laws in the kingdom too if you've got a gate up, people know that that really is an indication. I'm not supposed to go through a closed gate. If you live in the country and you've got your gate closed, people that know, they know they're not really supposed to open a closed gate and go down that driveway. If you don't have a gate, you're wide open. But if you've got a gate, you, you can control what comes in and what goes out, comes in and goes out. Matthew 7. Jesus talking, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are gates. You know, and you, can go down the, you can go down the wide one that's filled with all the people that are just doing whatever, or you can get on the narrow path that leads to the gate of life. And you can let people come in, in and out. You can just fill your mind with, you know, with pornography and junk and all the stuff on TV and movies. And you can listen to all the hate speech and, you know, you can fill your mind with all that stuff. Just open your gates up. Let it come in and see what you get. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be filled with all kinds of stuff that causes you grief and problems. But if you put some gates up there and you begin to restrict what comes in, then you can also control what goes out because your mind will be renewed by the Word of God. You will be able to, to protect yourself from receiving all that stuff and what comes out of you, your mind will be renewed and you'll begin to think and speak the Word of God. Jesus said it's what, it's what comes out of your heart. That's, what, that's what's the real issue. And what's in your heart is what's going to come out. We control what comes in and what goes out. We need to be saying yes to to the Lord and yes to his word, and we need to be saying no to the enemy. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, that you do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have your mind renewed, transformed, so that you begin to think the way that God wants you to think, protected from the attacks of the enemy in your thoughts. Philippians 4, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there's your gate. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind so that you won't be overwhelmed and defeated by the attacks of the enemy. And when you're fearful, you need to put that guard up. You need to let the peace of God come and rule in your heart and mind. Jesus said Matthew 6 that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So that's what I was saying earlier about the things that we look at. If you if you look at stuff that is not good for you to look at, you're going to be bringing darkness into your heart and mind. And I, yeah, I'm sorry, but once you see something, you really just can't unsee it. Once you hear something, you can't unhear it. And once you say something, you can't unsay it. So it's really important that we, that we guard what we take in, that we have a, a healthy gate up to protect us, to limit what comes in and out. If we're, if we're bringing the right stuff in, we're going to have the right stuff to go back out. If you bring in wickedness, that's probably what's gonna come back out of you. If you're bringing in uh, God's peace and love and joy, that's what's gonna come back out of you. That's what's gonna be filling your heart. That's what's gonna be in you. What's in you is what comes out of you. Revelations 3, Jesus talking to the church of the Laodiceans and he says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you could be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, And you're neither cold nor hot, I'm going to just vomit you out of my mouth. Yikes. That doesn't sound good at all. To have God saying he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. Because you say, I'm rich and I've become wealthy and I don't have need of anything. And you don't know that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. But I counsel you to buy gold for me, refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and to anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear to ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus is saying, you think you got it all figured out, but you really don't. You think you're wealthy, but you're poor. You think you're all dressed up nice and pretty, but you're just wearing a bunch of rags. And you think you're seeing real clearly, but you are blind as a bat. You need to get some of that eye salve. You need to get your eyes healed. You need to come to me so that I can give you some real wealth. Come to me so I can put some real clothes on you of righteousness so that you're not walking around those filthy rags anymore in your own efforts. Don't be undaunted or be undaunted by the task that God has put in your heart. You've got to have a mindset that I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Nehemiah looked around he didn't tell anybody what was going on. He didn't tell anybody what God had put in his heart, but he knew, he knew what it was. And again, in Revelation 3, Jesus talking to the church in Philadelphia, and he says, these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens, no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I sent before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, and you've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. What he's saying is, you've, you know, you're making an effort. I mean, you're still in the game. You hadn't gone to the sidelines and just, you know, taking your, your clothes off and gone to the dressing room. You're still in the game. That's what he wants. He wants us to be in the game. He wants us to be in the process all the time. The process is that we're coming to him daily and saying here i am you know i'm not perfect i got problems here i am show me lead me help me i want to operate in the kingdom the way that that i'm supposed to i know that your word says i am this the devil tells me i'm this but your word says i'm this so help me it's a struggle every day but we got to stay in the process if we stay in the process we can be victorious the way that we're supposed to be. If you pull out, then you're not going to be victorious. You're going to get discouraged and you're just going to end up on the sidelines. And that's not a good place. You need to rise up, be God's people, rise up and build. Nehemiah said, you see the distress that we are in. Notice he didn't say that you were in. He put himself right in there with him and said, we're in this distress. Yeah, you know, we've all got struggles and problems. Just because a guy's up here on the platform doesn't mean he doesn't have problems. Testify, I got my share of problems. I've had problems, I got problems, I'm going to have problems. But Paul said, I have been delivered, I'm being delivered, and I'm yet going to be delivered. You know, that's the, that's the deal. We've got to stay in the process. If you're in the process, you're going to be victorious. You've got to stay in the process. Rise up and build so that we may no longer be a reproach. The body of Christ right now in the, in the world, you know, we, we really are kind of in a place of reproach to a lot of people. I mean, the media talks bad about church, uh, and we've had politicians that say really bad things about Christians and the church. We've got all kinds of things, and you know, and some of what they're saying is true because we have, we have failed to be who we ought to be as the body of Christ. We need to rise up and become the body of Christ as he's called us to be, not just keep going down the same old path that we've done in the past, that our walls are broken down, the gates are burned with fire, and we're humiliated and under reproach, and the enemy's just having his way with us. There's as much divorce in the church as there is in the world. There's as much sickness and problems in the church as there is in the world. The church, the body of Christ, ought to be, I ought to be prospering. If we were doing the things that God has called us to do, we would be shining God's light and love. And everybody would look at us and they'd say, those people are different. I don't know what it is, but they're different. I want what they got. Right now they look at us and they say, I don't want what they got, no different than what I got. The body of Christ needs to rise up and be who we've been called to be Romans 15, Paul says, We then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind, one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And then in Thessalonians, he said, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the fainthearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. And see that no one renders evil for evil for, uh, to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both you, yourselves, and for all. Worship team, y'all can come on back. Um, Nehemiah, he was all about restoration and, and, you know, he was talking to the people, the people had been involved in this process for many years and they'd gotten discouraged and they'd quit the work. But Nehemiah spoke to them and he said, look, you need to rise up and build again. And he encouraged them by reminding them, now see, remember, he hadn't told them anything. He hadn't told him what was in his heart. He hadn't told him anything. He just, he came, he saw what was going on, and then he said, okay, look, we're in distress, our walls are broken down, the gates are burned with fire. And when people destroyed a city, they'd overcome a city, that's what they would do. They would knock their walls down, they burn all the significant houses up, they burn the gates with fire. And it was a way of saying, you know, we've whooped you, and we've whooped you and we've beat you down and you're not going to rise back up. And everybody that sees this is going to know that you're just defeated and that's the way you're going to be. Have you ever heard that from the enemy? Have you ever said this is, this is who you are, this is how you're going to be? Yeah? Your gates were burned with fire. And he's, he's able to use that against you. It's like a, it's like a big sledgehammer. I mean, he can, he can just swap you with it. Every time he comes to you, he can just say, man, look at you. You're a mess. You're, just, you're never going to be any different. That's just the way you're going to be. <laughs> Nehemiah said, look, we've got to rise up and build. We've got to get everything back in order. God wants to bring restoration. He wants to build. He wants us to have a secure wall. He wants us to have gates in place so that, that we're not just exposed to everything, that we're not a reproach, that we're not a laughingstock to the enemy. He can just come and say, ha, look at you. You sorry, no good for nothing. That's the way you've always been. That's the way you're going to always be. Nehemiah encouraged him. He said, let's rise up and build. And he said, look, the good hand of God has been upon me. I went to the king and I got letters, man. I got the letters. The good hand of God is upon me. He's given us the the power and the jurisdiction to operate in the rebuilding process. We're not going to stay messed up anymore. We're going to get healed and restored because God wants us to rise up and build and be changed and transformed. Jeremiah, the Lord says, Hallelujah. I'll visit you and perform my good word towards you and I'll cause you to return to this place. This is the Jerusalem that's all burned down, broken down. He's saying, I'm going to cause you to come back. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You'll call on me. You'll go and you'll pray to me and I'll listen to you and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord and I will bring you back from your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations that you've gone to. I'm going to bring restoration and healing and you're going to rebuild your walls. You're going to get your gates back up and functioning, and you're going to be walking in power and victory in the kingdom because that's the way the king has issued letters telling you to proceed. Hallelujah. I just, want to, I just want to wrap it up with this. Look, the enemy is known as the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation it says he's accusing the brethren day and night. That's what he does. God's got a whole different story. I want to be all in on what God says. I want to grab a hold of the letters from the king. I want to grab a hold of what God says. I want to listen to what the, the accuser is saying because the accuser is saying, you are broken and messed up, and that's the way you're going to always be. God's saying, yeah, you're broken and messed up, but I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I've got, I've got the power, and I've got the jurisdiction to do it, and you're part of my, fam- my family and my people, and so I'm going to heal you and restore you. I receive you. Even though the enemy accuses you, I receive you. The enemy accuses you of being a failure, and I say you're going to be triumphant. Hallelujah. The enemy says you're defeated, and I say, no, you're victorious. God says good things about us. He wants good things for us. The enemy, he is a liar. He's a liar from the very beginning. Yes, sir. And all, all he knows to do is to lie about us, try to deceive us, try to tick, trick us into to agreeing with his perception of everything. But God has a whole different mindset. We need to get on board with what God says about us. God wants us to operate in his kingdom with power and authority and operate in restoration. And what we're doing with children is just one part of that. We're gonna, we are going to start finding ways to reach this community with the gospel. We're going to start finding ways to reach one another. Right here in this building, with restoration, healing, and love, and peace, and joy. We're going to begin to walk this stuff out, so that when we go out of these four walls, we're going to go out victorious, and God is going to go with us, and we're going to go in the power and authority of the kingdom, and people are going to be changed, because we're going to learn how to walk this out. Amen? Amen? So, Lord... I pray that you speak to each one of us, your word in each one of our lives, Lord, that we are being restored. Our walls were built, they were broken down, but you're helping us build them back up, Lord, by the word of God and the power of the spirit. And it's not by our power or by my, but it is by your spirit, Lord. And our gates that were burned with fire, the enemy wants to accuse us night and day and tell us what a failure and a flop we are and what a miserable wretch we are and how we're going to be like this for the rest of our lives. But we choose to believe what you say, Lord. And you say you were lost, but now you're found. You say you were blind, but now you see. And you say, Lord God, that you were broken. Hallelujah. But now you're healed. Thank you, Lord God. Seal that word in our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here in just a few minutes. But I just want to encourage you. Let the Lord speak to you. He wants to breathe life into you right now in all the areas that you struggle, all the areas where you're broken. Let him breathe life into you.
1: Good
0: prayer for anything we'll meet you here at the altar uh, we're going to keep singing and worshiping I just invite you to come and uh, if you want a special prayer we'll anoint you with all or whatever you need
1: I need nothing more. I need nothing more.
0: bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace go and be blessed we have snacks and uh, things fellowship visit and uh, don't forget all the other activities we got going on and God bless you